Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. In Tim Keller's most uh, recent book, uh, Making Sense of God, he tells this story. And I just read it this week. It goes like this. He says, imagine you have two women of the same age, the same socioeconomic status, the same educational level, the same temperament. You hire both of them and you say to each, you are part of an assembly line and your job is to put part A into slot B and then pass it along to the next person. I want you to do that over and over for eight hours a day. You put them in identical rooms with identical lighting, temperature, and ventilation. You give them the same number of breaks a day. It's very boring work. But their conditions are the same in every way except for one difference. You tell the first woman that at the end of the year, you will pay her $30,000. And you tell the second woman that at the end of the year, you will pay her $30 million. After a couple of weeks, the first woman says, well, isn't this tedious? Isn't it driving you insane? Aren't you thinking about quitting? And the second woman says, no, this is perfectly acceptable. In fact, I whistle while I work, (laughs) right? I like that story because it reminded me of a summer I spent working the night shift at an auto parts factory outside of Detroit. And I was there for a number of weeks. And by the time I had been there for six or seven weeks, I was one of the people with the most seniority. The the turnover rate was unbelievable. People would barely make it past a week. Sometimes they'd make it to a whole paycheck or to two paychecks, but that was it. They, They just couldn't last there. And then one night, about six weeks in, I worked on a press next to an older gentleman. He'd been working there for about 40 years. I said, how did you do this for 40 years? He said, well, I... I fed my family. And I could relate to that, right? He had, he had a reason he was doing it. He had a purpose. And I knew what my purpose was doing this. I knew that if I worked 10 weeks of this night shift automotive factory uh, plant, if I did that for 10 weeks and if three or four times I worked all weekend and got the overtime, then I could cash my last paycheck and go to the jewelers and purchase the ring that they were holding for me and then get in the car and drive from Michigan to New York and ask Bonnie to marry me. 10 weeks was not hard at all, right? I had, I had something that I was doing it for. Here's what Tim Keller says about his story. He says, two human beings are experiencing identical circumstances, but in radically different ways. What makes the difference? What's well, their expectation of the future? What we believe about the future controls how we experience the present. We are irreducibly hope-based creatures. What we believe about how the future is going to be, and maybe even on a grander scale, how time ends, how eternity begins, impacts how we live our lives. What we think happened at the beginning of the story and what we believe will happen at the end of the story impacts how we live in this middle part of the story. I think this is what Jesus is talking about in that passage we read from Matthew, where he says, lay up your treasure in heaven. Jesus knows where our 
treasure is, there our hearts will be also. He says, connect your hearts to heaven. Connect your hearts to heaven. This week, we've gone from threats of nuclear war to protests by neo-Nazi and racist groups. But our, our call is to put our heart in heaven and let the life of heaven shape our earthly life. Our, our car call is to receive a joy from heaven and to receive a job from heaven that through us, heaven's joy would come into the midst of earth's suffering and pain. Celebration, joy, is always saying yes to the life of heaven in the midst of the challenges of this world. It's always a radical act of trust. It's always going to cost us dearly. It's always in the face of the lack of joy and of despair. How do we talk about joy in the midst of suffering on earth? First, we lament. We've been practicing that this summer, haven't we? And then we pray and we pray for justice. As we've been reading the Psalms, have you gotten to the Psalms where the psalmist just says, Lord, destroy evil. Bring about the destruction of the schemes of evil people. We pray those prayers and we act. But then on the Lord's day, we cease and we enter into celebration and we don't have to worry and we don't have to be anxious because we know the reality of heaven. We know the joy of heaven. We've tasted it. We've experienced it. And our celebration today is a participation in the future of the world set right. And we have to taste heaven. We have to, we have to experience what it is lest we think we know how to fix everything here on earth and that we can do it ourselves. We have to be changed by heaven to live the life of heaven on earth. My prayer for us this morning is that we would lay our hearts up in heaven just a little bit more. And we would connect our hearts even more deeply to the joy of heaven so that we can be a part of a heavenly job that God has given us here on earth. Would you turn with me to Psalm 134 in your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible here with you today, there's some scattered around on the seats and it's uh, somewhere around page 700 and something. I forgot to, uh, to look at it, but it's, it's right in there somewhere. Psalm 134. And this psalm, as I've been reading it the last couple weeks, I've kind of felt like it's, a, it's almost like a psalm empanada. It's, it's kind of small, right? But it's packed with a lot of good things, all right? So this morning, I, wanna, I don't want to just eat it really, really quickly and then have it be gone. I want to kind of slowly take it bite by bite, word by word, metaphor by metaphor, because it's really rich and there's so much here for us to teach us about the life of joy. And the first thing we see in this psalm is that it says, Psalm 134, a song of ascents, a song of ascent, like going up. And the book of Psalms has 15 of these songs. They start with Psalm 120, and this is the last one, Psalm 134. 
And they were likely sung as the people of God, the, the nation of Israel, journeyed from all of their outlying villages or even from other countries and places to Jerusalem. And they would journey to Jerusalem to its temple, which was the center of where they worshiped, for the feasts of the year. So we read in Luke 4 that Jesus and his parents journeyed to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. And in Passover, during Holy Week, Jesus and his disciples go up to Jerusalem for the feast. And even the day of Pentecost, which we celebrated a couple months ago, everyone was in town for a feast. And so they would sing these songs as they went home, as they went back to the temple, back to the house of God. Now, Jerusalem is at a higher elevation than the surrounding land, so you would physically go up. It was a physical ascent, but it's also a spiritual ascent. It's a spiritual pilgrimage, and it's always going to Jerusalem, to the house of the Lord. So if you look at Psalm 134, you see, and you see this in almost all of the Psalms of Ascent, it talks about the house of God. Look at it there in verse 1. To the servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So we're going to the house of the Lord. And then it says, lift up your hands to the holy place. This is the temple, the house of the Lord. And that's in Jerusalem. And then finally, the Lord bless you from Zion. Zion was a special name for Jerusalem, the city of God. And they are full of joy to go back home to Jerusalem into the house of the Lord. They're full of joy to be in God's house because God's house represents the kingdom of heaven come to earth. That's what Zion is. Zion is God's life in heaven being, being poured into the world. So they're excited for the joy of God's house because in God's house, we experience the presence of the Lord and the joy of the presence of the Lord. Do you know that God is the most joyful being in the universe? You think about how much joy we sometimes gather from our relationships. There's pain in our relationships too. Well, God in his Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, experiences always the fullness of joy of relationship. And out of that joy, he creates the whole world. That last verse says, he who made heaven and earth. Earth is created out of the overflow of God's joy. And we think about how we delight in nature when we watch a sunset, when we think about traveling to somewhere in Kentucky to see a, a, an eclipse, or when we, when we see a sunrise or a sunset, and we, we just are delighted by it. God delights in his creation always. He sees every sunrise and sunset and every beautiful vista. He's full of joy. Jesus says, I've come that my joy may be in you, that your joy could be full, could be complete. The writer and Anglican theologian J.I. Packer says, hearts on earth say in the course of a joyful experience, I don't want this to ever end. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been in the midst of a joyful experience and said, I don't want this to end? He says, it invariably does. But hearts in heaven will say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. There can be no better news than that. See, God is not a grump. Heaven is not boring. Heaven is a place of celebration because God is a God of joy. And in his house, in his presence, we are filled with joy. 
and it is the joy of our salvation. The joy of experiencing God's work here in the world, the kingdom of heaven come to earth. One of the Psalms we've been singing this summer is Psalm 150, and and that illustrates all of what I've been talking about. It says, praise the Lord, praise him in his house. Praise him under open skies. Praise him in in Zion, in his house, in heaven come to earth. Praise him in his creation. Praise him for his works. Praise him for his mighty wonders. Praise him for what he is doing to set the world right and to bring his salvation. We have the joy of salvation in God through Jesus' death on the cross to defeat sin, in his resurrection to bring us victory over death and the devil, he is bringing heaven to earth. He is setting things right. And that is good news. And with good news like that, we understand why heaven is a festival. Deuteronomy 12 is an invitation for the people of Israel to come to the temple in Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, during the feast. And it just kept saying, rejoice over and over again. Be full of joy, be full of joy, be full of joy. Come eat in the presence of the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters. You are to rejoice before the Lord. And that's the picture we read of heaven this morning, isn't it? From Revelation 19. Salvation belongs to God. He has worked on our behalf. He has come in Jesus to defeat our enemies. He has judged and avenged. Friends, when there is evil in the world, judgment is the best news we could hear. Being avenged for the evil that has happened, having that evil set right, that is the best news we could hear. Don't you want evil in this world judged? Don't you want evil set right? That is what God the judge does. Here in heaven, they're saying, God has worked for our salvation. He has judged evil. He is setting things right. And he's ushering in a celebration, a feast. Heaven is the festival of pure joy, of knowing that God has set things right, is setting things right, will ultimately set things right. We experience the joy of the Lord because He is pure joy. In his house, there is joy. In his feast, there is joy because he has worked for our salvation. You can enter into that joy. You can enter into that festival now. Because of Jesus, we are invited into Zion now, into the house of the Lord now. The church is the place where heaven comes to earth and through Jesus, we can taste the joy of heaven. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. You can practice that. How? Verse one tells us in our psalm, come, (laughs) bless the Lord. If you're reading it in the Bible that's on the seats, um, it says, praise the Lord there. But the word that it translates praise is the very same word at the end of the psalm that says, the Lord bless you. So this psalm begins with saying, bless the Lord, and it ends by saying, the Lord bless you. And that blessing is this coming to the Lord and 
bowing down before him and giving him honor, giving him our respect, giving him our lives. Come and worship. Come and praise. It's an invitation, but it's also a directive. (laughs) It's also a command. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We can obey and we can enter in. It's not coercive, but it is directive. It tells us what to do. All you servants of the Lord, come praise the Lord. We can enter into his joy now. When we've entered into his joy, when we we practice it, when we taste it, when we get a taste of heaven, we don't have to be anxious for anything when we've tasted heaven. We can lay up our treasures in heaven. And yeah, that passage is talking about money as an example of that. And yeah, we can... We can give our financial resources to the work of heaven. We can give our time to the work of heaven. We can give our very lives for the work of heaven because we've tasted it. We've experienced it. We know the joy of it. We know how things are going to end. For many, many years, I taught music lessons. And as I'd get new students, some of them really young, some of them older, my, my goal was always, even in the very first lesson, for there to be one moment where they did something and felt the joy of making music. And when you don't know how to play guitar at all or how to play piano at all, that can be a little bit tricky. But everyone can play something and sing along and can make up something and can enter into the joy of music. And if, if, if I, as a teacher, I thought if I could get them just a little taste of that, of what it could be like, then maybe they would spend the next 10 years studying music and be able to enter even more and more and more into the joy of making music. We can just taste a little bit, a little bit of the joy of being in the presence of God. If we can taste just a little bit of the joy of being in his house, of seeing him work, of knowing what it means that Christ has died for us and been risen again to new life, if we can just taste that a little bit, we will give the rest of our lives for heaven. And our hearts will be connected to heaven. When we practice celebration, when we come and worship, we receive the joy of the Lord and we learn that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We can receive the joy of heaven. We also receive a job from heaven. Heavenly joy and a heavenly job. Let's look back to Psalm 134. Verse 1, it says, Come, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. I told a story about working the night shift. This is actually a psalm to people working the night shift. These are third shift priests. They're the priests and Levites whose job it was to stay up all night in the temple and to keep the candles burning, the candle that represents the presence of God, and to guard the doors and make sure that the temple is safe, to stay awake and to keep watch. There was 24-7 praise going on in the temple. It was like a like a pancake house for praise. You could come whenever. And this song's for them. It's for the night shifters. 
Now, what does that matter? What does it matter that there are some priests doing a graveyard shift at the temple? What? Remember, this is our psalm empanada. We have to unpack the metaphor of what this is talking about. The Hebrews tells us that Jesus is our great high priest, that he actually is the one who defeats the darkness of night and brings a resurrection morning, a new day in Jesus, as we like to say. And that Jesus calls us to be a kingdom, a people of priests, that the church is a royal priesthood. So who is serving in the house of the Lord as priests? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, baptized in his name, you are. This psalm is for you. Now, priests are those who do something on behalf of someone else. So Jesus, as our great high priest, takes upon himself our sin, our brokenness, our hatred, our societal sins and dysfunctions and oppressions. He takes it upon himself as our priest. And he pays the penalty for it. He dies for us by taking our sin upon himself. And then he rises again on behalf of us so that we can be free from sin and we can be free from death. He does that on our behalf. Now, we as priests don't take on others' sins, but we are doing something on behalf of others. As priests, as ministers in the house of the Lord, we worship on behalf of others. We celebrate for the sake of others. We are priests of the joy of heaven for those who do not know joy. What does Jesus tell us about the night? Whenever he talks about the end, whenever he talks about heaven, he brings up this metaphor of a night. And what does he tell us to do? Keep watch. Stay on your guard. Do not fall asleep. See, because we have tasted the riches of the joy of heaven, we know the depths of the emptiness of despair of this night and of this world. And we cannot stand by. We cannot fall asleep. We cannot be taken by surprise. There are thieves who want to break in to kill, steal, and destroy. We must be on our guard. It's so easy to forget the joy of the presence of the Lord, but we have to keep the candle of his presence burning. We are priests of the joy of heaven in the midst of a world full of despair. We know what's at stake. We know how much this matters because we've been enraptured by the joy of heaven because we've feasted in the house in the presence of the Lord, because we've seen a glimpse of his work for us and for our salvation, we can't imagine letting anyone be damned to the despair of hell where there is no joy, there is no presence of God. We can't let that happen. We are priests of joy. As priests of joy, there is no one else who can stare into the darkness of this world and not be overcome. We can stare as Christians, as followers of the light into the most depressing, 
most despairing places in this world and not be overcome by the darkness. We can see the hard things, the, the threats of nuclear bombs, the Nazi chants about blood and soil. We can see the evil, the hatred, the sin. Doesn't everything in us want to just fall asleep? To ignore it, to let down our guard, to leave our post because it's just all too much? But we can't. We're ministers of heaven. We're priests of joy in the house of the Lord. We've tasted of Zion and the city of our God. We must stay awake. Too much is at stake. We are a church of compassion and a church whose hearts break for the broken. We are a church whose hearts are filled with righteous anger over injustice. The world needs us to stay awake. It needs to taste the joy of heaven. And we need action. We need prophetic calls to justice. We need engagement. We need what Revelation 19 called being robed in white, the righteous acts of the saints. Man, we need those. We need more of that. But if we try to do that work without the joy of heaven, we will be overcome by darkness. It will be too much for us. We will despair. We must stay awake. Like when you're driving on a long trip, maybe you're driving through the night and you're getting tired. It's like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And you're like, how do I stay awake? You start eating everything that you can find. And when that doesn't work, you turn up the radio. The other people in the car can sleep through it if they can. And you just start singing along, right? Worship is how we stay awake. Praise is how we stay awake. Blessing the Lord in the house of the Lord we stay awake to the joy of heaven in the midst of the despair of earth. And so the psalmist says to those who are working through the night to minister the joy of the Lord in the house of the Lord, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, worship, praise, sing, lift up holy hands. Your work is too important. Stay awake, worship the Lord. As we worship, as we stay awake, we go to those in darkness, we go to those in despair, and we say, sleeper, awake. Awaken to the joy of heaven. Come into the house of the Lord. Come into the light of Christ. Sleeper, awake. You don't have to hide from darkness. The end of the story is that it's defeated and that we will live in a city where there is no more darkness. Sleeper awake. We as priests in the house of the Lord are sent out into the night to invite people to come and bless the Lord. At City of Light, we call this disciple making. Jesus gave his life to invite people to come and see, come and follow, come and worship. And so we with our hearts united to heaven, make our lives about what Jesus' life was about. We want to know who our disciple-making partners are. 
who God has called us to pray for, how he's invited us to plant seeds of invitation. Too much is at stake. Too many people live outside the joy of heaven. And we'll stay up all night if it means one more person coming into the joy of the house of the Lord. See, what we believe about the end changes how we live here in the middle. If your view of heaven leaves you bored, anxious, afraid, self-righteous, cloistered, we need to read this psalm and receive the joy of heaven and receive our job from heaven. We are priests of joy. We bless the Lord. And then we ask the Lord to bless the world. There's this lifting of hands. And that lifting of hands is not only a praying with our bodies, which we do. All Christians are called to lift our hands, but it's a praying as priests. Because when we lift our hands in prayer, we are gathering together everything of earth and we're offering it in praise and worship to God who will make all things new. We lift our hands in prayer as priests, but then we lift our hands in blessing. And we pray for the world and we live to bless the world. We pray blessing from the God of Zion, the maker of heaven. Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.